women face all these invisible mountains every day. So could you climb a big one to show that actually you can conquer these mountains? That was Laura Youngson, entrepreneur and co-founder of Equal Playing Field, talking about why 32 women climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in June of last year to play a game of football at the top. This is Play It Forward, a podcast where we tell sport differently. I'm Tull. And I'm Laura. And you can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram. Our handle is Play It Forward Pod. This is our first podcast for 2018. Happy New Year to all our listeners. Can't believe it's 2018 already. Yeah, it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, we'd like you to listen to Laura. We're really looking forward to sharing it with you. Here she is. If one Laura wasn't enough. I have two Lauras sitting at my kitchen yes. table. Hooray for Laura us. Douglas to my right, co-host. And Laura Youngson, a world record holding Laura the founder of Equal Playing Field. And you guys set a world record last year at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro in a crater with women from 24 countries. You got that right, exactly right. So we, we climbed to the top of Kilimanjaro, laid out a pitch and then played 90 minutes of football, and soccer. How high is that, just for the record? 5,714 metres. That is ridiculously high. Why? Why climb up Kilimanjaro? That is a very good question. It, it actually started as a bit of a, a thing between mates of sort of going oh, let's do something that's never been done before. And um, it started with all the little niggles that you get playing sports. So, like, the guys get the pitch and the girls don't. And you get rubbish kit that's sort of handed down from the, the men's team. And or, oversized. It's always oh, oversized. It's always, and I'm, I'm not particularly big, and so it always went down to my knees. And then you can, like, your shorts, you have to sort of tie them up three times. And um, it's all of that that kind of thing. And then also at work, I was starting to face... Things like I wasn't invited to a meeting because I was female, or a junior to me, a male would be asked questions, like asked to answer things that I was obviously more knowledgeable about. So it's all these little kind of little mountains. We took that and thought, actually, why don't we climb an actual mountain and do something that's never been done before um, with a group of women and kind of see where we get to amazing to make a statement about all of those yeah. other inequities so like women face all these invisible mountains every day so could you climb a big one to, to show that actually you can conquer these mountains and especially with a group so working together how did you go from thought bubble to making something like that happen well, my good friend erin co-founder of equal playing field um and we got together and i was like erin we have to do this it's like yeah sure that'd be great and so we just um we've played in football in lots of different countries around the world just for fun and kind of with teams it's a really great way to meet people when you're you're living overseas so she called up some friends she'd lived in afghanistan in brazil and um azerbaijan and abu dhabi and so we just kind of started calling people and be like hey do you fancy um climbing a mountain playing a soccer match and all these people were like no and so like oh god and then but then eventually you had a couple of people come back and the, one of the first people to come back was um zara from afghanistan who immediately kind of upped the ante on what we were trying to do because she said look i'm in i love what you do and i'm doing this for all the people in all the girls in my country that can't play at all. So Erin and I realised actually we're onto something a bit bigger than just let's go have a kickabout with mates and break a world record. Well, set a world record. Your mountain climbing, no, volcano climbing, soccer playing, goal scoring squad of mountain sisters, I'm quoting you from your TED talk. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It, and it's really that. It's kind of snowballed from one or two people and then they told their friends and, and we ended up with sort of 25 nationalities all ages from 15 to 55 
um, all coming together. Most people had never met each other before, and we were about. To, but they all said yes. Let's let's go and try and do this. Fantastic. Yeah. So we're at the bottom of the mountain. How many people are about to climb up? So we took 60 people. 60 people. Which route of Kilimanjaro? So we went up the Shira Plateau and then across to Moya Camp. And at that point, actually, we played a practice game. Ah, oh, good, good. <laughs> so, good preparation. Yeah, it wasn't... At a lower altitude. Uh, yeah, so even that game would have set the world record. Oh, oh wow. Really? Which, except it wasn't the right size pitch because it was all a bit wiggly yeah. and uh, lava rocks everywhere and what have <laughs> you but we kind of played seven aside on a 60 meter pitch but and three halves uh, which is definitely not regulation but you know apart from that it would apart have been that, two world records yeah, in exactly. a week yes Kills. playing that match you gave us the opportunity to realize that okay we've got this the team is pretty strong um, they've all been training they get what we're trying to do um, and that was that was incredible but on that how did you decide who's in which team was it a team selection process? Yeah, that was me doing a draft uh, and yeah. by myself because we needed to get the names on the shirts um, to go. And so at that point, I I couldn't. I had I just had to do it really fast. And so Erin got really annoyed with me because she was on the other team and I'd basically drafted ah. all the great players into my team. So Laurie Lindsay, the international, was on your team. Yeah, and that was complete oh, chance. Uh, complete <laughs> chance, obviously. Yeah. I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah but no, but what we tried to do with match-up, so it was brilliant. We had Sandrine Dussain from France playing against Rachel Unit from England. And ah. so they played together in their international career like against each other, and so we put them on opposing sides on the... Bit of mountain rivalry. Yeah, exactly. So, so did people know which teams they were on as they were walking up the mountain? Did yes. it create a little bit of banter? Yeah, so it became like everyone had their gang signs and everything and like little <laughs> chants. And Wasn't this about unity? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So what were the teams called? Volcano and Glacier. But, and we had some great coaches. So my coach for Volcanoes was Kim Smith, who coaches in the US. And Again, good match selection. Yeah, exactly. But then I gave Erin Dawn Scott, who coaches for the, she's a fitness coach for the US Women's National Team. Pretty so, good too. Yeah, it was okay to kind of, <laughs> it's all right. So the challenges up the mountain, because I mean, first of all, you had to get to that crater, right? Talk us through, were there any particular moments where you were thinking, what the hell am I doing up here? Yeah, like literally every day. Okay. And I'm more like, oh, what the hell am I doing up here? And I've just got a ton of people up here with yeah. me as well. Yeah. I mean, it was physically challenging. So there's some people that hadn't camped before. Some people that never really done hiking um, in the same way of hiking for multiple oh days. Gosh. And I mean, it's so cold, you don't really want to wash. So mm. everyone's smelling a bit funky yeah. by the end of it. Dirt is warm. Yeah, exactly. More layers, <laughs> keep it on. And things, but it, things like um, one day we had to do lots of rock scrambling. There's an area called the Barranco Wall, almost like this vertical rock face. And so everyone's cleaned to the rocks. You know, like mountain goats. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this. So they're just with the soccer ball hanging off your back. Yeah, yeah. well, soccer ball, yeah. some goals, you yeah, know. There's a few other things coming <laughs> with you. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But it was amazing. We'd have lots of dance parties up the mountain. It was, I mean, it, it was hard, but it was like super like a fun. Party, party. Yeah, it was, it was like pretty much a party. We had everyone bringing their different nationalities, sort of songs and you know oh, wow. taking the mick out of each other even though you don't always speak the same language yeah that's great <laughs> tell us what it's like actually playing there though what's the surface like yeah it's kind of like a beach i guess i didn't i expect it to be a bit harder but it was quite soft imagine like a beach that you've just chucked a bunch of gravel on it's not going to be the the perfect surface to play on but it was uh yeah it was interesting and you kind of in some places sink up to your ankles in the the volcano sand and so like you end up like 
with a ton of sand in your shoes and sort of tipping them out at half time. So it was bumpy but ashy. Yeah, so sometimes the ball would be fine and then sometimes the ball just didn't move. So <laughs> kind of like the players? Uh, sort of at the beginning. So one of the cool things was we had Dr. D, our medical Did dude. he get to play? No, okay. uh, but the fi- okay, side, side story he had to jog onto the pitch to give oxygen to one of the players <laughs> and he struggled because he was sort of jogging oh, no. and then he, the, the people jogging on to help the people were sort of like oh yeah oh, so no. yeah like blind, 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 the doctor goes down yeah, yeah exactly so luckily pushed through it's pretty good uh made it to the players but uh, so how many people had to be subbed off for altitude sickness just two. Okay. Yeah. Just I only two. lost a couple. I mean, that's <laughs> why you two. took 60 people, right? Just in yeah. case a few fell. Yeah. No, exactly. But no, we had en- enough substitutions and yeah, to, but also substitutes for the refs. Yes. Because they're a really integral part of the game. Apparently they do a bit of running. Yes, they do. They and, really do. And what do. about whistleblowing at that, hu- at that height? Was it hard for them? Um, the breath. I actually need to ask. Yeah, we should ask Morag, who did a lot of the refing. She was, yeah, she was pretty good, but I, you could see she was a bit pooped at sort mm. of half time, needed a break. I've trained at altitude, and yeah. it's a very quiet game because everyone is so busy trying to struggle for breath that they can't be bothered communicating. Was it really quiet, or were people dancing? And So Dr. D decided that about 10 minutes in, we should do a kind of someone kicks the ball out, and we'll just do a stop and check that everyone's okay. So went around everyone's got to 10 minutes everyone put their thumbs up and then we were like oh this is actually it's all right let's have an actual game and so the the pace picked up and we played and it was kind of people were running the worst part though is you run and you're like yes i've got the ball and then you're like no hit the wall and it is all tired (laughs) the polar bear climbs on your back yeah exactly so like playing offsides you'd have to you it was very slow to jog back and get back onside oh no did everyone want to be the goalie um, yeah, exactly. They, it would, that would have been amazing. But our goalies, right? So we ended it, right, the score, nil-nil after all that. Seriously? Just, no, no one wanted to beat the other team. No, no, but the goalies someone... were amazing. Ah. So Maya and Megan, they just put some crazy saves on. Just, ah, oh, it was so good. Oh, so there nil, were shots nil. on goal, quite a few. So many shots on goal, and then just doing saves from the keeper. Was it yeah. because the ball was slowing down in the ash? I don't know. So a few people hit some like great crosses and stuff like that. And Monica's one went just past the side of the post. But it was just, yeah, crazy a game. nil-nil result. I can just imagine the excitement about wanting to be the world record winning team. Like you just totally want to put that ball in the back of the net and be that first player to do that. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the point. You sound like Erin. I'm being the devil's advocate. I don't really mean that. No, so, so I think some people have really focused on kind of, yeah, it's a game. We've really got to win and get the goals. It's not about the win. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, it's about the 90 minutes. And it's about, so actually the celebrations at the end were everyone realising that we just played a match together. That, that, mm. that was the mm. whole point. And it didn't really matter what team you're on. And yeah. not just a match, you, you climbed for how many days in advance? Seven days of climbing together. Then seven to days. do this thing that everyone had said you can't do um, and said it was impossible. And then this feeling of, wow, yeah, we've done this. This is such an incredible accomplishment. Mm. It would have been so joyful coming down the mountain. Yeah, was it, it? That, was, that was amazing. Yeah. That was even more dance parties. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> So you'd already summited before you did the, the no, game? No, so we played the game first. And then you summited? Yeah, so what... <sighs> yeah, that was, but that was a good way around to do it. And so played the game, everyone was like, yeah, on this real high, had some lunch, and then we um, then went up to the top of the mountain. But the clouds had kind of come in, and then we went up to the summit, and they opened up again. Oh, yeah, this incredible view. Yeah. 
were there any onlookers like did you have people that climbed up the mountain just because they were climbing up the mountain and they just came and watched on the side yeah so they didn't come into the crater but we had a lot of people that had climbed up and they saw the pitch and so they were looking you can look down into the crater and you could see it all happening when you say build a pitch, what do you mean exactly? So we had to mark out a FIFA regulation size pitch. So, but we because it's a national park and you don't want to leave any trace, we used sembe, which is like the local flower. And so the lines on the sides were made of sembe. And then we had um, walking stick on a post. Good one. And flags <laughs> and then a full-size goals. So how did the goals get up there? What were they made of? They were real goals, but they're, this amazing manufacturer in the UK had made them so you could take them apart. And so they were kind of like IKEA goals, I guess. Yeah. So that they came in handy 20 kilogram packets. Oh, um, you're kidding. You had to do an IKEA furniture fit out at the top of Mount yeah. Kilimanjaro. So that's where we had our, our pitch crew that came and like set the, the whole pitch out, got rid of the big rocks. Before you got there? They Before we got So they early. went an hour early. So they started at 1am as opposed to 2am. I'm so inspired by this. It's so <laughs> exciting. But you were doing it for a purpose to shine a light on lack of access and pay disparity, right? Yeah, so all the reasons. I mean, I think we've seen that women definitely are kind of second-class citizens when it comes to football and the money that flows around the game. What we're seeing in the grassroots is very different to what we're experiencing in the media. So the pay disparity is ridiculous, that you have um, national players that don't get a per diem to play for their country, mm-hmm. let alone a salary that means they can train. And these are people that are kind of the best in the world. On that, you sent me an article the other day, Neymar getting more money than women from seven different countries, 1,693 women from US, France, Germany, England, Sweden, Australia, from the top seven women's football leagues. Yeah. So the pay differential is worse than politics. It's worse yeah, than it's, medicine, space. It, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And for me, I, I guess I got a bit fed up. Fed up with the that disparity. I think there's more that can be done And I think countries like Norway, where they've just signed an equal pay agreement, it shows that it's possible. And that's the way the future can be, that you've got these incredible players and yet they're having to work two or three jobs just to be able to play the sport. For me, that's ridiculous. So many stories of women coming back from national team commitments and joining doll queues. But it's a waste of talent, you know, if you've got some people that are incredible and could give back to the game as coaches, but they're not able to, right? That I find ridiculous. Mm. So I really hope that more countries follow the lead and keep the pressure on to to even equalize it a bit you know yeah. and by drawing the world's attention to these events that you you mm. this one on Mount Kilimanjaro that's something that just activates a lot of people isn't it so, For us, so tell yeah. me about the pro- what happens after the event to try mm. and galvanize people. so that's exactly it it's shining a spotlight on some of these issues and issues that people perhaps kind of thinking can't be changed and actually yeah it can be and hopefully using it as a platform to inspire others to do Mm. things um but we've been running football camps for girls and women all around so all the mountain sisters they've all gone back to different countries and been running um football camps in their countries for girls and women and in some countries where women just aren't encouraged to play sport at all yeah so i mean one of the most amazing camps has been in jordan so they've been getting girls um who it's i mean it's still quite conservative yasmin was telling us how she gets shot she plays for the national team in jordan and she gets shouted at on the street if she wears her football kit out and so actually um they've been coaching coaches as well so building up the ecosystem of women that are engaged with the game 
you've just mentioned Jordan. I understand Jordan is on the agenda for the next potential world record. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, this kind of started as a bit of a joke from Ben. He was uh, he came with us as a journalist up to Kilimanjaro, and at the end of his little segment, he said, "Aha! Now you should play the world's lowest game at the Dead Sea in Jordan." And you thought, "Yes, yes, I will." Uh, yeah, and then it kind of got picked up and it snowballed and. Um, yeah, we're so that's it. Prince Ali of Jordan has been incredibly supportive and so said, yeah, let's go play the world's lowest match. That would be a perfect symmetry to the world's highest match. How does one get a, an audience with the Prince of Jordan? <laughs> well, Yasmin and Hanin, who are two Jordanian players that came with us, um, I think he saw the coverage of them and was very supportive and had a chat with them and said, look, this is great what you're doing for women's sport. So it's been amazing. They've been such great advocates. They're, they're super famous now. They're just on all the Jordanian TV shows. And oh, really? It's fantastic. It's that. created a platform for them to start oh. having these conversations. How can people support this? How can they get involved and, you know, be a part of this? Yeah, this so effort? we're looking for all the spectrum of people from um, do you play are you an advocate for the game are you interested in supporting I'm really interested in connecting sponsors of companies that don't necessarily think of the women's game as a a sponsorship investment because I think there's so much happening at the grassroots level that it's such a great opportunity it's a huge opportunity yeah so connecting those kind of people with because it can literally change lives right Mm -hmm. because you you guys know as well playing sports that just the incredible benefits from being part of a community part of a team health benefits everything yeah those those are the kind of people that we want how do they get hold of you if they want help so equalplayingfield.com is the best way to get hold of us okay and you've got some other projects on the go tell us about the football boots yeah so i'm making soccer well football boots for both types of football ones that fit for women so. and that are sustainable too right yes yeah. I love this because I spent my life buying kid-sized synthetic crappy boots and not realising that it was kind of wrong that I wasn't buying boots that were specific to me or to my gender. Mm. So thank you for creating these boots. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. So we've got a getting some prototypes early next year and then we'll be testing them on everyone's feet and uh, they're doing a crowdfunding campaign. Mm-hmm. So. My feet are really flat and wide. Will She's they accommodate not just making them for you, but my for feet. women generally. Yeah, right, okay, it's not about me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Why do we need women-specific football boots? Because So there are tons of reasons, but um, the main thing is actually you can reduce injuries. So at the moment, there's not enough research mm. done into mm. women's injuries, and a lot of women get ACL injuries. So many ACLs. I have to touch my head when you say that because that's, that's my only superstition. It's a massive deal, and there isn't enough research. No, and so I think one of the things that I've been talking to a lot of physiotherapists and podiatrists about is actually if you're wearing kids boots they don't have the right support for Mm. women's feet because of the way your hips are set apart and pressure loading on the feet the sizing's not right so where it creases and bends is incorrect and so actually i want to make a better boot i don't want to have to buy 12 year old boy shoes Mm. to play football yeah and i don't want them to be pink no no No. well if anyone wants to design them get in touch (laughs) (laughs) now that's not the only thing you're doing though Tell me about the gin. Oh, yeah, it's a cereal, a cereal side <laughs> project. So we distill non-alcoholic gin. So we make that in Melbourne. Totally learnt that one on the job. You hadn't done any distilling before then? Or? Mm, I can't say I had. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> like he hadn't led 60 women up at Mount Kilimanjaro no, before. No, yeah. Like, just, he said they couldn't stop you. Well, that's it. Well, I think people put a lot of limitations on, oh, you need to be a specialist of this and a specialist of that. And actually, just, do, just go on and do it. Yeah. What really inspires me about you is a lot of people have ideas, but you actually deliver. You actually do things with those ideas. What would you tell people that have an idea but might not back themselves to just deliver on it? Yeah, just give it a go. I And, and that's really hard, but... I think if you, you're struggling to give it a go, find the people that can help you. And you need those kind of people at the inception of the idea mm. to go, yeah, all right, give yeah. that a go. G- get on with it. Mm. And so actually, if you're trying to change things and make a different path, you need to really go for that and ignore all the, the voices around you. I cannot tell you how many times people told me it is not possible. There is no way you're doing that. I can't believe you're even trying. Yeah. And so for me, that's such a good lesson of, well, yeah, it's worth trying. And even even if we hadn't have achieved it, at least we'd have inspired some other people to try. Yeah. That seems like the ideal segue to ask you this question that we ask everybody on our podcast, which is if you were to travel back in time to your 12-year-old self, knowing what you know now, what would you say to the 12-year-old Laura Youngson? Ah, oh, that's a tough one. I think it's really interesting. It's probably the same advice that I'll give myself now, mm-hmm. which is that it's okay to to have different ideas and do different things and I think as a as a 12 year old you always I don't know you try to fit in and you do this and you're like oh I need to study this and I need to do that and actually you can have other ideas and you can do other things and you can do what you want to do like find your purpose your journey ignore everyone else's and just get on with what you want to do be a multi-potentialist really oh that sounds like beautiful yeah just dive into lots of different things yeah work out what makes you tick yeah that's right laura youngson it's been a delight having you here at our kitchen table i think we're we're ready to conclude we've got our gin in front of us what's the gin called brunswick aces brunswick aces care of your street yeah well we live in brunswick so it seemed a good enough name and where's the ace come from uh, all crazy Egypts. Is that awesome? Yeah, awesome. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm and really it's... excited about trying it. What what flavour have I got? You've got the Spades blend, which is kind of juniper ah. and um, parsley and cloves. So have you got a diamonds blend? We've got a hearts blend actually ah. for Christmas. Ah. Yeah. Nice. And it's only 11.20 in the morning, which is okay because it's non-alcoholic gin. Yeah, it's perfect. You can have one now. Very for all uses. For all times of day. Yeah. Thank you, Laura Youngson and Laura Douglas. And, uh, Thanks, Talk Up. You just love saying my name. Well, you just said mine. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I've never interviewed a world record holder before, certainly not at my kitchen table. It's well, she exciting. was a good one to interview. She had lots of great stories. I really enjoyed listening to Laura. There were so many good stories, too many to include in this podcast. I love the story about magicking up a birthday cake and finding a candle miraculously on the mountain. Yeah, Mama Keely was looking out for them on that <laughs> mountain, wasn't she? Um, there were also some logistical nightmares, getting goals up the mountain, which arrived late. Can you imagine that? Those poor porters, they saved the day. Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't have been a fifth regulation match without those goals. The story I really loved and I wanted to make sure was in this podcast somewhere was about mouth trumpeting. Of course, and I you know you think I have story. a bit of a thing with noises, but this is really, it's quite unique and special. Here's a story about how Laura Youngson passed the time climbing up the mountain. Emma, who was an absolutely wonderful human being and did put in so much work for Equal Playing Field, transpired on day one, she revealed that she is very proficient at the mouth trumpet. So naturally, the rest of us wanted to try and learn the mouth trumpet. Um, so we spent a lot of time walking and hiking. I mean, you're hiking sort of six, seven hours a day. You need um, something to fill up the time. Exactly. So basically going through the levels, level one, level two, level three. So, well, Emma's a level five. 
Oh, come on, give us a yeah. rendition. So I need to. What, give... what song can we do? I think a, a football related song is the FIFA theme song, maybe. <laughs> can anyone know that? No one knows that. But Everyone you. knows the no, FIFA theme I think Ale Ale. Awesome. There. Oh, well, yeah, good I one. I don't know which one. How do we do this? Oh, yeah, okay. So Laura's level one. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, there's, a bit there's this wavering in there. Oh, in the yeah. Sound, isn't there? It's quite... That's level two. You were just listening to the unique sounds of Laura Youngson on the mouth trumpet, of all things. It's a very special sound. I really I really like the mouth trumpet. I've been working really hard on that. Where are you at? I'm... Well, I've got no one to assess me, but I reckon I'm at level two now. Really? Yeah, I think it's so. quite impressive. Well I, done to I you. I aspire to get to level five. It's a bit like the beak test for me. Oh, that is one hell of an aspiration. Yeah, in I'll life. make it. I'm so proud of you. This is Play It Forward, a podcast where we tell sport differently. And we mouth trumpet from time to time. Some of us do, not others. Oh, come on. See you next time.